Studio Ervo and Bonfire Press present Essence House by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino. Read by Michael Goodrich. Chapter 11. One Step Forward, Two Steps Back. The emergency room waiting area was as miserable as it had ever been. Barnabas hated sitting there, not knowing when word would come. He also hated that for the first time in decades, he didn't know what to do. He wasn't in charge. He did not give much credence to the illusion of his leadership. He was in charge of an essence guard of nosy old busybodies. It wasn't what one would think of when they thought of a guard, and he rarely made a real decision. His decisions came from envelopes left by his former master. And even though he was ordered to let everything play out, he couldn't help but feel like he left everything in ruin. The double doors across from him swung open. How is he? asked the old man as he stood from his seat, favoring the leg that had not yet gone numb. Jessica embraced him a moment, holding back her tears. They are doing what they can for him. Barnabas, I think we need to do what we can for him as well. His father... It didn't look good, but he could still be out there with Tim. And there isn't much we can do here right now. I'm guessing you want to go back. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to do the same, and hell, I don't have any orders. I guess I can make that call. Let's do it, he agreed. Tim flipped over in his sleep. He was almost used to the cold, concrete floor underneath. A couple of weeks ago, he finally took the time to pull together anything that could act as padding and pile it in the corner to sleep on. He had hesitated to do so, but as he lost track of time, he tried to make his 20 by 20 prison of a wine cellar more accommodating in any way. The stains around his bed said he was a sloppy drunk. The impact marks on the wall across from him and shattered glass at its foundation said he was an angry drunk. As Tim flipped one more time, he slammed his heel into a bottle. It fell over, but didn't shatter. It just made enough noise to wake Tim from his slumber. What? Tim said, followed by a series of unintelligible mumbles. Go back to sleep, you useless drunk, returned a voice from across the room. As Barnabas's sedan rounded the corner and began cutting through town, Jessica got more anxious. Was Tristan safe at the hospital? Were they heading back to the enemy with no plan of attack? What remained of Tim and Rick? A million questions raced through her head. Barnabas looked at her and said, You look worried, dear. Can't say I blame you, but try not to a little. We're heading back to do what we can. Your anxiety would be twice as bad if we were sitting at that emergency room any longer. That actually does not help at all, even if you are right. She smiled a little. He probably didn't notice, and it didn't matter, but she was trying to be strong. So, what's our plan? What are you expecting to find? Barnabas was quiet for a moment. She looked away, then he spoke. If I'm being honest, I don't suspect Rick or Tim survived. If Tim survived... I would expect we'd have heard from him by now. I'll tell you, I'm not used to not knowing the next move. The boy's grandfather, Roland, 
always had everything planned out so well. I never had to figure anything out by myself. I took up his post, but I was a steward of his mission. I had no endgame. Jessica turned to look at him again. Well, the game isn't over, so you need to get over that right now. I need you, and the Edmund boys need you. Let's keep some faith. Tristan is going to make it, and Tim and Rick are safe and hiding as we speak. Now, Barnabas took his turn to smile a bit. He was out of his comfort zone, but he'd served the Edmonds for a long time now, and he knew there was just about no such thing they couldn't survive, given time. Tim sat up. He brought his palm to his forehead to suppress the pounding in his head. With his other hand, he reached out to the bottles behind him and grabbed one that still had some weight to it. I'm not a drunk, Rick. That's funny coming from you, Tim replied. You admit you were useless, though. I guess that's indisputable. Put down the bottle, you drunk, Rick ridiculed him, hunched in the corner of the wine cellar. Irritated, Tim retorted, My throat is dry and I still need to sustain myself. Shut up, you little jerk. They'll find us both dead if you don't sober up and figure out what the hell is going on here. That's right, it's all up to me, the leader of the Essence Guard. And I get to figure it out all alone, because I don't have anybody around that has led the Essence Guard, do I? Grandpa didn't trust his son Rick to be a part of it, did he? Rick didn't acknowledge this attack, but it was a cutting statement. Tim stood up, stumbled backward a bit. He spent a moment convincing himself that it was because he had just awoken and had to get his bearings, and not because he had fallen asleep with a bottle of 1947 St. Emilion and had a swig of 1787 Chateau Margaux for breakfast. Wine. He'd grown tired of wine. Would it kill this family to stock a little beer? Reaching over, Tim picked up the cell phone that lay on the shelf overhead. The first day, he caught a signal and tried a trick that his grandfather used to use now and then. He was able to call from within the house to any place in time. He tried to call himself to warn him of what he was getting into, but after three tries, the phone's battery was drained, and it didn't appear it was getting any better. Yet he had to check every day, just in case. Striding across the room, he made his way to the staircase door, the door of which he had accessed Essence House only weeks prior. The door that when swung open, one would see full view of the kitchen's stone pizza oven and glimpse the front parlor. The door he had woken up and tried every day for as long as he had been trapped. Tim grabbed the ornate doorknob, turned it, and pulled. The door swung open as it had every single time, but on the other side was absolute, pure, vibrant white. A void. Nothing at all. Tim fell into the door and slumped down onto the steps. He noted that the odor of the place had now reached the top of the steps but for the most part, he had grown used to everything about the room. Hell, even the spider on the web connecting the support in the middle of the room to the wine rack wasn't so creepy anymore. He almost considered it a pet, and would often speak with it during those times that he and Rick weren't on speaking terms at all. Pushing himself up, he reached back and slammed the door. He dropped his forehead into it and tried to gather himself. He wouldn't cry in front of Rick. Rick 
spent most of his days conserving energy, cradled in the corner. But when he spoke to Tim, it was in constant judgment. Tim took the couple steps and walked back to his bottle. Dare I even bother with the other one? He said to nobody in particular. He reached down and picked up his open bottle and took a swig. Besides being somewhat refreshing and making it easier to sleep, the fragrance of the open bottle also helped mask the atmosphere of the cellar. Tim took a deep breath, set the bottle back down next to his pile of mostly cardboard. Just do it, Rick said. You know you have to. You know you'll do this every hour until you're too drunk to stand up again. Then you'll wake up and do this all over again. Just do it. Maybe this time will be different. Even the spiders seemed to agree. Okay, I will. Tim straightened up his back and stood heroically. Let's get out of this wine cellar. Tim walked across the room, placed his hand on the door overhead that would open up to the shed behind the plaza, and gave it a push. Solid nothing overhead. That was all. Tim dropped to the ground, defeated. I knew you'd do it. You always do it, you dope. You may as well just give up. You're the last of the Essence Guard, and you have failed. Tim crawled back to his bed, drank down the bottle, flung it at the wall, and faded to black. It was nearing the crack of dawn when Barnabas and Jessica pulled up to the plaza. They were astounded to find the grounds in nearly immaculate shape. The construction equipment was gone. There were no gunmen, no bullet holes, no rental car, no wheelchair. It appeared untouched. Jessica threw the door open and ran out as Barnabas shifted the car into park. She didn't even know where to go. She looked closely at the ground. There were places where she could see bullets had sprayed the ground. It wasn't completely as if nothing had happened, but these people were clearly professionals when it came to cleaning up messes and such. If they're here, there are only a handful of places they could be hiding, suggested Barnabas. We can check the shops at the plaza first. Tim has been in there before, and it's possible that Rick had keys for the property. Jessica followed as Barnabas took the lead. He made his way past the shed and around the front of the building. The parking lot was empty, and all of the stores appeared dark and closed. The pair walked the length of the plaza, peering through the front windows and knocking on the doors. If Tim was holed up in a shop with Rick, Barnabas hoped the errant knocking would be enough to tell him that they weren't nefarious. But none of it did any good. What if Greta has them, Barnabas? Jessica's posture shifted and she appeared defeated. If she has them, then we go get them. She may have caught us by surprise, but we actually know a bit more about her than you think, Barnabas replied boldly. Barnabas knew what he needed to do. He didn't need to be told. Forget old Roland and his game. The words of his dear friend, Mrs. Gianni, rang in his head. This essence stuff is too much, Barnabas. Indeed. He felt the same that night as he felt standing there just then. Do you really think it'll be that easy? Jessica interrupted his thought. No, I don't expect it to be easy at all. But I do expect that it's possible and worth the effort.
But before we get to that point, let's see if we can round up some keys in the back shed and search this building a little better, Barnabas said assuredly. Quickly, too, I'd really like to get back to Tristan, Jessica replied as they headed toward the shed. The shed stood just as it had earlier that day. Barnabas hadn't been inside before, but if there was a chance of finding a key, this was it. He entered through a side door and pulled a chain within to pull up the larger door in front and let some light in from the lamppost outside. This place is a bit of a mess, said Jessica, lifting a box and setting it on the ground to access the desktop easier. You should see this side. Tim's got his work cut out for him if he intends to keep this job, Barnabas replied. Jessica burst into laughter. Do you really think that's an option? She chuckled some more. I don't suppose so. Barnabas stopped talking and got Jessica's help to push a riding lawnmower out of the way to let some light into the back of the shed. Clarity returned to Jessica's features. That's right, the door to the cellar. That was the first time I saw Tim and Tristan, you know, in the proper timeline. Indeed, Barnabas replied, paying much more attention to the bloody door handle than to his companion. Barnabas reached down and grabbed a hold of the door at his feet and threw it open. Another day, another bottle. Tim's world began the same each day. The past four days since his last conversation with Uncle Rick were spent discussing the possibility of them ever being found with a spider. The evenings often ended with insults from Rick. It was an abusive situation, but not surprising, given their relationship prior to this banishment. Tim leaned back with his elbow on a rack and a bottle in his hand. This is the day, Rick. I can feel it. You say that damn near every day, you imbecile. The world has forgotten you, and we're going to rot down here, Rick replied. These words reminded Tim of the stench that hung in the air and he began breathing in the fruity aroma of the liquor in hand. You don't have to believe me for it to be so, but I feel it nonetheless. Tim stood up tall. Rick is right, said the spider. You're going to rot here, and I'll likely take up residence in your left eye socket. What's wrong with my right eye socket? asked Tim. Hey, wait, you can talk? Why did you wait until today to do that? Because... Today's the day, asshole, replied the spider as it scurried across the floor support overhead. Rude, Tim thought as he brushed himself off and took a look around. Just go do it, Rick shouted, you drunken idiot. Rude, Tim thought again. Tim flipped a bottle cap to decide which door to try first. The bottle cap had actually become a game for him in recent days. He'd think up a number in his head and see if he could get it to flip right side up that many times. It was something to pass the time between passing out drunk and taking abuse from Rick. The cap fell upside down, and it was decided. Tim would try the door to the kitchen first this morning. Well, presumably this morning. He actually had no way of tracking time in this place, so he just assumed it was a new day every time he came to. Tim placed the bottle cap on a shelf, took a glance at his dead cell phone, and walked over to the stairs. 
Today is the day, he thought as he grabbed the knob. He flung the door open and... Nothing again. Then a flicker. He couldn't make out what it was, but he caught a glimpse of something. What was that? He said out loud. Then he shrugged it off as being related to his intoxication. Suddenly, he heard a strange noise on the other side of the room. Some speaking that he could not make out. He couldn't tell if it was just too far away or another language. Hello? Tim shouted. We're down here! Jessica approached Barnabas as he pulled the wine cellar door open. All they could see was darkness. If anyone was in there, they were not in good shape. Jessica pulled out her phone and turned on the flashlight. She shined it into the hole in the ground. It was the wine cellar, but it appeared untouched, save for a smattering of spots on the ground that led to the far wall. The two followed the trail and now stared at what they were certain was a blood stain on the wall. Jessica was silent, her face unreadable, though the slight shaking of the light spoke the volumes that she wasn't able to communicate. Barnabas's next words tore her from her thoughts. Do you see anything else of note? Jessica quickly scanned the room with the light, finding nothing but wine bottles in various states of empty and full. Sorry, nothing, Barnabas. The older gentleman smiled just a little and let out a long breath. No, that's okay. It means, until we know otherwise, Rick and Tim are alive. So, young lady, you and I have some work ahead of us. Jessica nodded and smiled back. She shone the light towards the stairs so they could begin their ascent out of the shed. They put everything back the way they had found it and closed up the shed behind them. The two headed back across the yard to the car. Down here! We're down here! shouted Tim, but he no longer heard any sounds outside. Are you going to try the door? the spider asked. Try the door, Tim, Rick agreed. I'll try the damn door, Tim decided. As Tim walked across the room, the door overhead began to rustle. Excitedly, Tim ran the last few steps and assisted pushing the wooden door. The door flung open, but this time he was blinded by actual light. It was clearly the sky, but his eyes could not take it. Audible signs of disgust filled the void before him as the disgusting stench of many days of solitude assaulted his rescuers. Suddenly, Tim felt a heavy blow to his nose and he was grabbed by both arms and hoisted out. He again heard the voices he'd heard before, but clearly they were not speaking English. Tim was thrown to the ground. He didn't know if he could fight if he tried, but he knew he was not trying. Nothing could be worse than being back in that box with Uncle Rick and that saucy spider. As Tim laid there on his back, a dark figure approached. Tim's eyes were still adjusting, but... As the man came into focus, he appeared to be wearing a black uniform. Who are you? Tim asked. Ah, an American. More importantly, who are you? The man asked in a very strong accent. 
The man was wearing an officer's uniform of some sort, all black with a red band around his left arm. I'm Tim. Of course I'm American. Most New Yorkers are, I imagine, Tim joked. Another man began shouting from the wine cellar in a language that Tim had come to realize was German. Well, American Tim, it appears we have a murder investigation on our hands. What do you mean, a murder investigation? Look, we can tell you everything. Just take us to the station. Well, Tim, the German officer hung on Tim's name for a moment. What can you tell us about the decaying corpse in the corner of your cellar? Theme music by Carol Cockrell.